Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Rachel Matz. She is the co-owner, co-founder of Fourth and Market, a fitness, yoga, and wellness building. She's also an Amazon best-selling author and the founder of the Embodied Goddess brand. How are you doing today, Rachel? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me here. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share with us a bit about your story and your journey. I appreciate you taking the time and I appreciate you. Yes, absolutely. It's my pleasure. So Rachel, as mentioned, you are the owner, founder of a fitness and yoga and wellness building called Fourth and Market. You are an RYT 500 yoga instructor, a massage therapist, and an author. What inspired your journey into entrepreneurship? Sure. So I have always been a person generally that kind of creates my own path based on all of my different interests. And so I guess I learned a lot of that from my mom. She kind of created a career out of a lot of different like part-time jobs in the fitness and wellness realm. So I think I learned that firsthand from her growing up that she really just created a career and a life that she wanted to live. And she did things that brought her joy, even if it meant less money. And so I, I was exposed to that my whole life. And then like through college and then post college work with the massage therapy school, I just quickly realized what was going to make me the most happy was going to be creating exactly what I wanted. So, so I worked part-time kind of at the kickoff of my career, doing some massage therapy for our local hospital. But after a year or so of that, I knew I was ready to just take off full speed on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Now, how long have you been a yoga instructor and what inspired that journey? Yeah, I have taught yoga for, I believe around 10 years now. Oh, wow. Not quite, maybe right around 10. Yeah. And I started diving into yoga just totally on my own in college. I was a college basketball player and that can be a wild and crazy thing. (laughs) And (laughs) And very competitive, of course, and just draining and just quite challenging. And so I remember in college, I started seeking out something that was the opposite of playing a college sport that was still somewhat movement-based, but also really tied in the spiritual side of things and the mental and emotional side of things as well. And so really, I just started, I don't even think I knew what I was doing initially. I just started like reading some books and doing some things in my college dorm room. And and then I started graduate work in theology um, and 
I was living in Princeton, New Jersey at the time, and it was a really large yoga community. And I actually worked part-time for the Lululemon there. Okay. And so when you, at least at the time, when you worked for Lululemon, you could go to yoga classes around the community for free. So I took full advantage of that <laughs> and dove in head first and learned a lot about a lot of different styles of yoga and and fell in love with it. And when I realized that grad school wasn't in fact what I wanted to do long-term, I moved back to Ohio and quickly started massage therapy school. And that's when I also started teaching yoga and I went to Bali for a month. And that's where I did my first yoga teacher training, which was really one of the most expansive experiences that I've ever had. (laughs) That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It was at the time, the scariest thing that I'd ever done by far. I mean, I, the whole way to Bali, which was like a 34 or so hour journey, Mm -hmm. I tried to talk myself out of it and figure out mentally, like how I could turn around and go back home (laughs) and not do it. But I'm of course really glad now that, that I did it. And I ended up going back to Bali for more training the next year too. Wow. So you liked it a lot. I loved it. Yeah. (laughs) But you're, you're trained in active and slow flow vinyasa. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Restorative yoga, yoga nidra and shamata meditation. First Mm -hmm. of all, I didn't even know all of these versions (laughs) of yoga existed. Can you tell us a bit about them and their differences to one another? Yeah. Yeah. The yoga world is vast. And I think that's definitely common that we just kind of hear yoga and we think of it as two things. Generally, people think of it as like standing on your head and like totally an acrobatic experience, or they think of it as like lying on your back in like a nap and when you're supposed to be relaxing (laughs) when really (laughs) it's like huge realm of life, all sorts of different styles, all sorts of different lineages, really, really an old practice. And it's just been in the last like a hundred years that it's become a physical practice. Us Westerners have kind of (laughs) created that branch, of course, but yeah, the vinyasa just means to place in a special way. And it's often taught as a flowing style of yoga. So I teach a lot of like active flow style of classes where the intention, at least for me, is on the in-between. It's how you're getting to the next pose and it's with intention into the next place. So the emphasis is on the breath, like from one breath to the next, you're learning how to link movement with breath. And then also it's just really trying to create control, ease, and intention in the in-between to create kind of that flow, almost like a movement-based meditation at times. So that's vinyasa to me, at least, but every instructor kind of has their own twist on things. Okay. And then nidra is kind of like, it's often explained as like a yogic nap almost. You're not guiding people to sleep. That's not the intention. People do sometimes fall asleep, which is just what they need. And that's totally fine. But it's designed to guide people into this subconscious state where sometimes deep healing or really deep relaxation can occur. So it's usually this guided 
meditative experience with certain prompts. Some styles have like set prompts that the instructor uses every time. Mine are generally a little bit more free flowing depending on the theme and the intention of the practice. Yeah. But it's it's a little bit like a hypnosis like experience where you're guiding people into the subconscious realm in between wakefulness and sleep. Yeah. And then shamatha meditation is a Tibetan form of meditation and it's a mindfulness meditation. So I'm really just guiding students to the present moment Mm -hmm. and encouraging them to build deeper levels of awareness inwardly. So it's just the practice of guiding your attention inward and you just moment to moment, keep reminding yourself, come back to the body, come back to the breath, come back to this moment. So it's not that suddenly you just sit and relax and you have this like mountaintop all is well experience, but it's just the simple act of continuing to come back to your body, come back to the moment. (laughs) What facilitated you being trained in all these different modalities? Like how did you decide to pursue all of these different types of yoga and meditation? And Sure. So those were actually all a part of that very first training that I did in Bali, which was the month long training. So instead of there's so many different directions that you can go with the yoga teacher training, this training was obviously a variety of different modalities and and a handful of different styles, which is what I love. There are schools of yoga where you go, it's that one particular style, you learn like a set sequence and that is that, and that can be a beautiful way to start or continue your like teacher training journey. But the direction I went was like a handful of different things. And I've really enjoyed the balance of like the yang and the yin energy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you incorporate all these modalities when you're working with your clients? I do. Yeah. Any sort of coaching that I do, it's very somatic based, whether it's actual like yoga asana, like yoga poses and in a mat practice or whether it's just like shaking meditation or like somatic release type movements. And so, yeah, definitely all of the different like meditation and yoga, like pose-based trainings and knowledge that I've gained over the years certainly carry over into like how I work with clients in a small group setting or a larger group setting or a one-on-one setting. Right. Now, speaking of mat, I read that you believe that yoga begins on the mat and eventually with consistency and practice carries into every aspect of life. Can you explain a bit about that and why you feel that way about yoga? Sure. For me, yoga is a way of life. It's a way of being with yourself. So it's ultimately this journey to the self. But then I think the deeper and deeper you go within your own body, within your own mind, within your own emotions, the more that pours out into how you are being with everyone and with everything around you. So for me, it's a very spiritual practice. And I mean, I live in a small, like rural town, Ohio area, and I know a lot of people kind of battle with, well, is like 
yoga a religion or does it conflict or contradict any sort of religious beliefs? Wow, and really? Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's still like believed to be very conflicting with a lot of the Christian teachings in our area for sure. But I know it's common, like at least throughout the country, unfortunately, because like I said, for me, it's a way of life. So I feel like it can like beautifully complement any sort of religious practice, religious discipline. It's, it's really just a way of being in your body, being grounded where you are mind and body as often as possible. And anytime you kind of go astray, you bring yourself back into the moment. Back to self. Yeah. Yeah. You've said that your focus is on women's empowerment, erotica and embodiment through yoga teacher training retreats and smaller program offerings. I'm going to assume that you've decided to focus your energy and business solely on helping women. Why have you decided to focus it solely on helping women? And did this journey begin with your own personal struggles? Yeah, I never intentionally set out to only work with women, but I have found, especially where I live and in the yoga world, at least in my yoga realm, it's pretty much been almost all women. Like I really just have a handful of guys that I've worked with in a yoga setting or a deeper yoga setting. And so that just kind of happened organically. And then I did a bunch of deeper dive self-work, which led me to writing this book about my own worthiness and about my own struggles with body shame and with spiritual shame around the body in general, but then also around sexuality. Uh And so really the past two years of my life have been this like deeply reflective healing journey around my own femininity and what that means, my own womanhood and my physical body, and then also around my sexuality. And now that I've kind of started, I mean, you know, you're never there. You never arrive. No, it's a constant (laughs) journey. Yeah. So now that I'm just sort of feel like a lot of the initial stuff at least has been visited and healed, I'm realizing how much suffering is out there in the women in my life. And then just people that have reached out who've read my book or read something I shared online. It's, It's a major problem. I think all people in general, but especially women or womb-based bodies can just become so disassociated from their bodies and from their sexuality. And that's where I was for a really long time without even realizing it. And now being on the other side, I'm like, whoa, this is like... (laughs) a major problem that I'd love to like shine some light on. Yeah. Can you talk to us a bit more about your own personal journey struggles? Yeah, sure. So I kind of wrote a whole chapter or two about it in, in my book. And, and a lot of it has to do with my marriage. So I've been with my husband now for, I think going on 13 years and we got together when we were young, just freshmen in college. So we've kind of lived through that like kid to becoming a young adult to becoming like full on adult ready Mm. or not. Yeah. And you know, when you're young, you're, you don't really like 
or I didn't, I shouldn't say everyone, but we didn't really go deeply into all of, like I hadn't done some of the inner child regression work. I really hadn't done any therapy at all. And so when I started doing that, I realized how much ancestral shame there was around sexuality. I grew up in a very Christian home and a very Christian based area and even where I played basketball in college was a very like Christian based team and school. And not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but the way that I took in all of those teachings was that there was kind of innately something wrong with my body and innately something to be ashamed of in that I was desiring now my husband, but my boyfriend at the time, it like made things in our relationship pretty strained because of all of the the shame around like desire and pleasure and sexuality pre-marriage. And so that was kind of like the struggle years ago. And then, you know, it's crazy that you're expected to like have all of that be turned off and then suddenly get married and then just be able to like snap and turn it back on and be like, oh no, like now. Because, <laughs> now it's like, okay. Yeah. Now your names are on this marriage license and, and now it's beautiful and now it's sacred. And I'm like, wait a second. Like I just shut down or tried to not so well shut down, like all of these desires and things that felt good to me to like appease this standard, this like written standard or whatever. And so really our like eight years of marriage has been basically me dropping stories that are no longer true for me. And a lot of that is religion based and so much of it of course is also just cultural and it's very taboo still to even just talk about the female body or a female body to be witnessed in a non-sexual way and so it's just been this like huge opening of a can of worms of all the things that I had collected as truth that actually are no longer truth for me (laughs) it's it's major repression I mean how would you tell your clients then to deal with that that happen to be in that similar situation how do you how do you tell them to deal with that and overcome that Yeah. I mean, I definitely recommend like traditional therapy for sure to work through a lot of that because it can be, you know, very complicated and very painful. But then as far as the coaching realm, there are specific tools and techniques that I've personally used. There are books that I recommend. I mean, some of the most simple techniques for women can be like mirror gazing, like literally just trying to reorient yourself with your own body and on a daily basis, affirming like that your body is normal, that your body is beautiful, that the asymmetries are normal and beautiful. Uh And just like starting back to the anatomy, that's where I started is I was never really taught the actual like womb female based anatomy. And so I, I didn't even know. And I'm 32 years old. So I think just learning about the body and like looking at the body is a really beautiful place to start. And then there are all sorts of other practices. I mean, within the yoga realm, I talk to my students quite a bit in my teacher training now about techniques such as like using a yoni egg or yoni steaming. So those are, again, just ways to start like building awareness around the womb and building 
awareness around the body, because I think it starts with knowledge. And then of course, like knowledge is empowering for people and that empowering feeling of, of knowing your body and being in your body, I think is what starts to cultivate some healing, but it's complicated, especially when religion is involved. I have to tread very (laughs) carefully with that because if anyone would have tried to convince me that like religion was the problem, like, you know, a decade or two ago, I would have had like no time for it. So I had to arrive there on my own. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, it's delicate. (laughs) Well, what was the breaking point or light bulb moment for you with your journey? I don't know that I had one specific moment necessarily where everything became clear, but it all started when I signed up for this eight week immersion program. It was actually with the woman who was the head of my yoga school, but she's also a licensed mental health counselor. Okay. So I basically signed up for this like coaching therapy immersion. And I feel like this was maybe four years ago now. And that just like broke me wide open into questioning everything that I'd ever known and believed about myself, about my family, about the world. (laughs) Yeah. So that's what really started to get the wheels turning because even during my very first yoga teacher training, I was still very Christian based in my beliefs and the way that I was living in the way that yoga hit home differently to me at that Mm -hmm. point. I was still very rooted in the Christian tradition. And, and so, yeah, I would say that that therapy immersion program a few years later kind of broke me open. And then I've just been basically questioning everything ever since. (laughs) (laughs) That must have been one hell of a struggle though, because with religion, you're taught not to question and just accept it for what it is. This is how it is. And that's all there is to it. When I get that, I think this is a whole other podcast we can get into (laughs) because I just think it's complete bullshit that you're not supposed to question things. That's how you learn. That's how you gain knowledge. That's how you empower yourself is to question. And that whole mentality of not questioning, this is how it is. And that's all there is to it. It's just, it's ridiculous to me. I don't know. So it must've been one hell of a struggle for you internally. Yeah, absolutely. Because I like am a very deep thinker. Like there are days where I wish I wasn't, it feels like a (laughs) blessing and a curse. And so yeah, religion in a way has always been somewhat problematic for me in that way, because I do question everything. Like I want to know the whys and, and that sort of thing. And I think that's what really got me because I was in college, I was an exercise science major and a religion major. So I double majored. And I really was interested in theology. And that's, you know, what I started grad school for. And so I think, I mean, definitely theology is a realm where people can like ask why and do Mm. like deeper levels of critical thinking, even within like the religion context. Yeah. But yeah, still, I think that's where I was like, especially as a young adult, I felt like I was like hitting heads with everything because yeah, yeah, something just wasn't feeling right. Something just wasn't adding up. And yeah, like you said, it can be a little bit like brainwashy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So how have these experiences helped shape the Rachel you are today, both personally and professionally, do you think? 
Yeah, I'm definitely getting to a place now where I'm really grateful for my family lineage. I'm really grateful for the wrestling that I've done within the religious context of things. I am really grateful for some of the suffering I've kind of put myself through with my own body because I talk quite a bit about my journey through body shame and And actually nine years ago, when I was 23, I decided to get breast implants. And then just this January, I made the decision to have explant surgery. And so that was like a major, major turning point in what real empowerment and embodiment feels like for me. So Uh I definitely, I just feel... I'm definitely not ashamed and I feel broken open and really empowered to keep sharing my stories for a really long time. I didn't even know that I had stories. And then when I determined, I was like, oh, actually, like I have, I have some stories, like I have some life stories and, and I felt like they weren't significant enough to be shared or that I hadn't suffered enough or, you know, all the stories that we tell ourselves to keep ourselves like small and quiet. And so I think it's led me to a place where I'm just not afraid to be kind of bigger and bolder and to take up space and, and to feel like I want to step into truly being seen and, and being heard And I hope to keep writing as well. I think it's led me to a place where I feel really passionately about writing and, and trying to spread the message as far and wide as I can. Amazing. I love it. (laughs) Now you're obviously a big advocate of self-love and body positivity and women's empowerment. Can you speak a bit about what those things mean to you on a personal level? Yeah. So starting with embodiment, I have been like very movement-based and an athlete my entire life. And so I was under the impression that because I was active, because I, you know, was confident in my body that, that, you know, embodiment was just like already a thing for me. And the deeper I've gone, especially in the practice of yoga and the more that I have slowed down and the more that I have turned my attention inward, the more embodiment has changed for me quite a bit. And so really all of this has just totally transformed my life. I mean, my exercise, my movement is entirely based on what feels good for me day to day. I have no desire to compete with anyone really. (laughs) I love to work hard. I love to play with edges. I love to challenge my physicality and see like do different things that like test the tank and see how I can operate on an empty tank and that sort of thing. But it's created this beautiful contentment with where I am, but still like a curiosity to keep pressing. So the embodiment piece, that's kind of what that feels and looks like for me now. And I know, like you mentioned, like self-love and all of that, like the body positivity stuff. It's tricky because it's like everything in the media 
And even with self-care, everything in the media can be so manipulative. And so I think the messages get muddy with what actual self-love and what actual (laughs) self-care looks and feels like. I've mentioned this quite a bit that, for example, when I had breast implants put in at that time, that was self-love. That was like the most empowering decision I felt like I could make for myself. I was like, no, this is my fucking body and I can do whatever I want. Yeah. But then the deeper and deeper and deeper I've gone inwardly, the more I've realized that actual self-love for me and actual empowerment and embodiment for me now looked like having them removed, looked like being totally in my skin. And so I think like, if we're being honest with ourselves, self-love, body positivity, self-care is all this inward journey. It's not the consuming of things or the adding things to your body or all the different kind of icky messages that get Uh (laughs) put out there. It's really this continual, humbling, honest, inward journey of asking yourself what's actually the most empowering, loving decision that I can make for myself in this moment. And you have to keep revisiting that day after day. <laughs> yeah, the media plays a huge part in in that. And I, I believe that the media, it has caused these words that had so much power within them. Mm-hmm. So almost to a point where they're watered down, I guess, they're, they don't hold the true strength that they used to. They're buzzwords. It's cool to use these terms and it's the in thing to say and all of that shit. But I mean, I don't know. I guess you just have to hold true to what you believe these words and what these words and phrases mean to you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing that sucks is that because they've kind of been manipulated for companies to make money and whatever else, there's a lot of bypassing that happens. (laughs) Like the real work, the actual work, like the therapy, the subconscious reprogramming. Self-work. Yeah, the actual like behind the scenes, like crying on the bathroom floor. Yeah, yeah, all the internal stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I guess on the other hand, you could also look at it as the words are being used. So they're being put out there and it's generating talk about the words and these brands, there are brands that are using these words now, I think in the proper light and to help empower and instill these things into women. But there are still a lot of brands that are just using them because they're the air quotes in words to use. Yeah, absolutely. I do think things are changing for the better. I do see a lot of change within larger companies of truly like being advocates for all bodies and normalizing natural bodies and normal bodies. And so, yeah, I think change is headed in the right direction and I do see progress, but yeah, it in the world that's so... Botox based, plastic (laughs) surgery based, like manicure, pedicure, shopping based. It can be difficult for somebody who's not quite sure what self-care and what Mm self-love feels like. It can be tricky to actually get to a spot where you're healing or where you're truly growing into love. Yeah, for sure. What does the word empowerment mean to you? Empowerment to me means self-sourced. So it means that, so if I say 
I'm empowered. I feel like I'm grounded within myself, within my knowing, within my intuition. And it means that I'm sourcing from that place of knowing and intuition rather than trying to reach out and clasp and grab and feed off of all the external stuff for my own wisdom, for my own well-being, for my own learning. I mean, of course, I I want to always keep learning and having guides and that sort of thing. But it's empowerment to me is this like deeply rooted place of of self-sourcing and self-trust. Okay. What lights you up or inspires you the most about the work that you do? Right now, I feel most passionately, I think, about helping guide women into this place of like sex positivity and worthiness in their sexuality. So I definitely feel most alive about kind of the sexuality side of things and women just kind of coming to their bodies, maybe for the first time ever, or for the first time in a long time. And I do really love using a yoga setting for that because of course, yoga is so like moment to moment and body based that you can really beautifully like marry this way of being with coming back to your body, especially as a woman or a womb-based body. And it's really just been a new development for me in the sexuality side of things. So I'm really excited and have just started dipping my toes into the sexuality teachings with my yoga students. And I have more plans for that next year within the yoga teacher training. I plan on having a whole module around sexuality and embodiment in that way. So I feel most alive and excited about that side of things. Amazing. Yeah. Now, as we've both very, very briefly touched on, you're an author. Can you tell us a bit about the book you wrote, what it's all about, the title and where people can find and buy the book? Sure. So the title is I Am Worthy, Remembrance and Reclamation, and it's my, I guess, 30-year journey from, (laughs) I mean, of course, a lot of really beautiful things that I experienced in those 30 years, but then also the body shame and the spiritual shame. So the whole first chapter is about shame and how I became aware of it and how I started to heal from that. And I talk about love and my marriage and how we have worked together to really create a strong foundation of self-love and then of course, love with one another. And I talk about subconscious reprogramming and like old stories that I believed to be true and now new stories that are more true for me now. And I have a whole chapter about my yoga journey and about yoga in general for anybody who's interested in knowing more about the traditional like eight limbs of yoga. So the physical practice of yoga, which most people here in the States at least, and probably around the world think of yoga as like this mat-based practice. And, and it's, that's actually just one of the eight traditional limbs of the practice. And so that I talk quite a bit about that. And, and really the entire last chapter is what I wrote pre and post explant surgery to start the year. And I feel like it's the most me and I was the most embodied and empowered for that chapter. And it's 
how I started to re-explore and come back to my sexuality for the first time in a long time. And so it's really this like lifelong journey of recognizing shame and then moving into worthiness as a woman. And there are journaling prompts at the end of each chapter, which is cool. So my intention in sharing all of this really is just to encourage the readers to then turn inward on their own lives and on themselves and to really start to explore some of the things that I've moved myself through over the past like four years. And I even have an online course with audio and video practices. So there's, and that's free and there's a video or an audio that goes along with each chapter for like further integration along the journey too. And right now it is available on Amazon and here within the next week, I believe it will be available in other bookstores as well, but for sure now it's available as print or ebook on Amazon. And I started off writing during that therapy immersion program. I started writing poems just because they felt like they were like pouring through me. And it, and I think it became a very like healing practice for me. And, and I started sharing the poems online and they got quite a bit of attention. And I was like, Oh, they do make sense <laughs> to other people. And so, yeah, it's just, it's really been my own healing journey. And I guess I had enough people that convinced me that I should share it. And so I did and no regrets so far, at least. (laughs) And when was the book released? It was released as print edition on September 3rd. Oh, okay. So very recently. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm still kind of processing and taking it all in. It's, it's been overwhelming. (laughs) I'm sure. Yeah. So you've also created your own personal brand called Embodied Goddess. Can you tell us a bit about that and how that came to fruition? Sure. So a little backstory, the building that my husband and I co-own now, um, which we mentioned at the beginning called Fourth and Market, I actually owned that by myself and have worked out of this building since the beginning of my yoga studio. Okay. That original brand was called Grassroots Studio. And that's been about a five-year journey now. And so when my husband decided to move his personal training business into our building, then we kind of like talked about collaborating. And then it became really real when the first floor, so our building is three floors and we took over the first floor this year to create a membership gym. So pretty much we were operating our businesses all out of the same space. And so we decided to come together, create Fourth and Market, which is this like brand new foundation of his and I's stuff kind of molded together for this one big building in our downtown space. So that was kind of the creation of uh, fourth and market. And I had to let my baby of grassroots studio go. <laughs> and so I was feeling like I still wanted to have my own personal brand for my own work. And the deeper I've gone into all of the like studying, reading, I'm working with a coach right now as well. All of the work that I've been doing with the program that I'm in and the mentorship that I'm in has been, of course, very like sexuality focused and pleasure focused. And, and so that started pouring into like my yoga classes, my yoga offerings, even into my yoga teacher training. And it feels like a very different direction, a very different thing than fourth and market. So I definitely felt like it needed its own name. And when I set an intention on New Year's Day of this year, my like word of the year was goddess. 
And at the time I really didn't even like know why I just felt like that's what I wanted to personally like move into a place where I felt like a goddess, like physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And so that had been my word of the year and the deeper I've gone into all of the embodiment work that I'm doing, the empowerment work that I'm doing. And it just, um, I don't know, I guess it just like came to me, the name did, and it very much feels like it envelops all that I want to do in the coaching side of things. So it's really been like my own personal evolution. It's kind of the archetype. I work a lot with archetypes, like the maiden and the mother archetype, and then In the yoga realm, there are a lot of like Hindu deities that I've worked with and studied around like Kali. And so for me, it's kind of just like my own archetype that I've created for the woman that I want to be, but then also the woman that I would like to work with in my business moving forward. Excellent. You've stated that you feel very passionately about guiding women back to their bodies and into releasing their pleasure and desires in life and business. How do you help women with this? And why is this so personally important to you? It starts off with, like I've mentioned before, coming back to like basic anatomy, (laughs) basic knowledge of the body, knowledge of the female cycle, our lives are very oriented around this like linear, like 24 hour cycle where womb-based bodies have like 24 to 35 day cycles actually. And for sort of seasons within that cycle and our culture and our life just kind of like our lives just kind of breeze by that. And most people have no idea how to work within their cycle. Like I'll, for example, orient my exercise around different phases of the cycle. I'll orient my work sometimes around different phases of the cycle. My mentor actually doesn't work at all during her moon cycle. So she'll literally take a week off. And I know quite a few other women that do that during their moon cycle. And so there's this whole other world that is very feminine energetically that has been quite foreign to me until this year. And I see a lot of women in our community that just have no idea about that at all and how much joy and also just like permission and relief that it can bring to your life if you realize that you don't have to operate on that like 24 hour set masculine schedule if you don't want to. So yeah, it's a lot of education. It's just so far, at least been a lot of educating women on their bodies, on their cycles, on different techniques and tools that you can use to just bring awareness there, to bring energy there. And that's what a lot of my life has been this year. And it's been transformative for me and my body. And it's been transformative for our marriage. And I think it's really beautiful for anybody who's considering having a child or having another child, maybe differently bringing them into the world than they did the first time around. So I'm definitely at this place of like rebirth in my own life. And I've just started working with clients in this way. So, so it's a new thing, but it feels really special work that I want to keep diving into. 
Amazing. I love that. What do you think, Rachel, is your unique skill set or superpower that has helped you become successful? I think that I have continually trusted my own inner knowing, even when I've had moments of kind of betraying myself and saying yes, when it really was a no, or no, when it really was a yes, I think I have a way of staying grounded in who I am and living from a really genuine and authentic place. And so I'm not afraid to use my struggle as something that is kind of like a teaching point for everyone. So instead of like trying to slam my like degree or my expertise down everybody's throats, I just feel like I try to stay like a real human being that happens to be a a spiritual teacher and is going to give it to people straight. And I'm, I'm a pretty like open book in that way. I mean, it's funny because I talk a lot about shame and how shame has been such like a major issue in my life, but it's never held me back from having something to say. (laughs) And that's the key is not letting it hold you back. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe it's like courage. Maybe it's bravery is that I still feel all the really, really hard things, but then I keep trudging forward right into them. (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Mm, Good question. I would define success as a life full of love and full of abundance, whether that's in time or energy or travel or finance. I think that it looks differently for everyone, but I definitely think that it's a life that is and feels totally fulfilling. Everything's just a yes. It's, it's liberating and yeah. Excellent. It's a hell yes. Yeah. (laughs) A a friend of mine always says when you're trying to decide on something or debating about whether or not to do something or a decision, if it's not a hell yes, don't do it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. It's like a full body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions will just be one, two, three word answer type thing. Okay. Okay. How would you describe yourself in one word? Mm, Flowing. What was your dream job as a child? (laughs) An astronaut. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) money or fame? Oh gosh. I guess it depends what the fame is for. I really don't want fame. (laughs) So maybe money. (laughs) Okay. But if the fame is like for a good reason, then I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? That your body is safe. What's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money? Contentment. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? I would change the polarity of everything. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big one. That's pretty broad. (laughs) Maybe that's not the greatest thing to change. Well, okay. So I wouldn't change the polarity, but I would change everyone's need to be attached to polarities. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. My favorite way to unwind is? To be outside. Entrepreneur life is? Hard. (laughs) (laughs) what would your family and friends list as a couple of your best characteristics i think they would say that i'm brave and that i am 
determined and like heartfelt. Okay. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. (laughs) What is one of your favorite quotes? Lately, I guess it's not necessarily a quote, but it's something that I've learned within the training that I'm in right now. I'm doing a neuro-linguistic programming certification, which Mm -hmm. is like subconscious reprogramming. And they always say over and over and over that there's no failure, only feedback. And that's just been like a really valuable tool in my life is using all data, all information as feedback rather than like any sort of indicator of my value or Mm -hmm. work. Yeah. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life and what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after learning it? I would say one of the most important things I have learned is to allow myself to freely think and believe what feels best for me kind of goes along the lines of like the religion talk that we had is letting the idea of (laughs) heaven, hell, (laughs) sinner, saint, just sort of loosening the grip on all of that to just let myself like be happy. (laughs) Okay. And I've been liberated ever since. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Liberation, freedom. Yeah. (laughs) What is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? In that therapy immersion program that I talk a lot about, um, the lady's name is Liz that I worked with. And it's not really advice necessarily, but she said to me once, I forget what we were talking about, but she said, Rachel, you're not too much. And I was like, huh. (laughs) Like, I think she's the first person that's ever said that to me. And I think so many of us, especially like strong personality women tend to feel like we are too much. And so just the simple advice or fact or phrase, whatever you want to call it, if you think I am not too much, I really, I really believed it. And I really felt that for the first time. (laughs) Struck a chord. That's amazing. Yeah. Who in your life, Rachel, has had the biggest impact on you and why? I would probably say that Liz for sure has had a very large impact on my life as one of the owners of the yoga programs that I did in Bali and Costa Rica. And then also the woman I've mentioned that I worked with later on down the road. So I would say that she has been definitely one of the largest influences in my life. And then probably my husband too. We've been together for a long time and he mirrors to me a lot that I can continue to (laughs) notice, be aware of, work on, love, you know, that sort of thing. So those two people are probably the most influential in my life. (laughs) Okay. What's your personal motto? Personal motto. I would say to figure out what makes you feel alive and to just keep following what makes you feel alive and you can't go too far astray there. I think. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it's from an embodied place. <laughs> right. What yeah. does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? I think the best version of me looks equally like strong and confident, but also like humble and soft. And 
I'm open and I'm in connection with family and friends and I'm speaking up when it feels right and I'm intentionally listening and I'm often at home and alone because I love downtime. I'm introverted. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's like honoring the balance between being social and connected and then being at home and in ceremony and also traveling. I'm my best self when I have lots of travels planned too. (laughs) Beautiful. If you could go back, Rachel, and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? It would be to stop worrying so much and stop worrying working so much. I like worked the crap out of myself for a long time. And I attached that as my identity. So it would just be to, to kind of let the worrying and all the work or some of the work go and to really connect with who I am outside of trying to prove my value. Beautiful. Lastly, Rachel, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? Well, if it were right now, it it would probably just be that we already have all of the information, all of the answers, all of the wisdom, all of the love, all of the contentment that we're seeking inside of us. And sometimes it requires movement. Sometimes it requires stillness. Often it requires nature, I think, and breaking out of comfort zones. But just that all of the outsourcing that we try to do day to day is just kind of a waste. And that if we can use movement or use stillness or use whatever it is, art or music to bring ourselves back to our bodies. It seems so simple, but we just flat out don't do it enough. And that's where the transformation lies. I think that all of the emphasis on production and money and all the scurrying is just such a waste. And it's not what brings happiness. It's not what brings fulfillment. It's not what brings peace. And that's what we all want. (laughs) That's a tough one for sure. Because I mean, it's it's a hard lesson to learn. Everything, I believe everything comes back to self and ever the foundation of everything is self. And it's hard to realize that we do truly have all the answers and everything within ourselves that we need. We don't need external validation to do things and to complete things and to achieve goals and whatnot. It all begins within ourselves. And sure, you you want to have community around you to help support you. Absolutely. But it all starts within for sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's simple, but hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It does. It sounds very simple, but it's yeah. incredibly hard to wrap your head around it and get to that point where you wholeheartedly and fully believe in it. Yeah. I think you have to feel it. I think it's like whatever practices bring you back to self on a daily basis and then feeling it in your body. And then you remember all that you are and all that, you know, (laughs) yeah, for sure. Yeah. Rachel, thank you so very much for taking the time to be here today and share your story and your journey with us. And It's been an absolute pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I appreciate you and I thank you so very much. And I'm very honored and happy to have you as a member of the Empowerography community. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to chat and for all of the thoughtful questions and inquiries. It was really fun and really thought provoking and and I really appreciate your time as well. 
Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Rachel Matz. She is the co-owner and co-founder of Fourth and Market, a fitness and yoga and wellness building. And she's also an Amazon best-selling author and the founder of the Embodied Goddess brand. Thank you so much, Rachel. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.